Thanks, Raul. Well, good morning, Bethany Norris. It has been a while since I've been in this preaching position, and I'm so excited to be here. Actually, I was thinking about it. I think it's been since last July, which feels like a really, really long time. And yet, so many weeks I've gotten to spend uh, sitting and telling kids stories, which have been just as meaningful and powerful moments for me in uh, in my own discipleship. So I'm glad that I've gotten to stay in in that uh, message and be part of this service in a unique way. But this morning, I get to preach on an incredible message of love. I mean, could there be any broader topic and more important topic than love? I don't know. Did I just win the lottery after a year of not preaching that we would just hand Anna the giant portion to talk about of love and so important. But I promise you this morning, God has something really incredible to say. And I might not be saying everything there is to know about love, but I'm going to say some things that I know God has for us this morning. You know what else we're going to do this morning? We're going to take communion. Um, This is our final morning in this sort of an experience. We're going to start meeting together. And it felt really important when we talked about love and the passage in John 13 to get together and commune together, to, com- to remember this time and what God has done that is so good in this time. And what has been sustaining me and giving me life and giving me love this week are some people that have been loving me through this week with their notes and their quotes and their favorite stories about the Bible. And so I want to share that love with you this week. So you can text the code that's on the screen right now, and uh, you'll get a PDF that is all these notes that I've received and that have been really feeding and giving me life and love this week. Super excited to share that with you too. So I'm going to pray, and then we're going to get started. Lord, uh, I, I am just so humbled and excited and nervous and moved by uh, the word you've given me to share this morning, this word of love. So, Lord, may, uh, may your love fall upon all who hear this message. And may we step into your love and become part of givers of your love. This love that is never ending and without exception. This love that is wildly inclusive and invites us into its own power. Lord, thank you for the gift of love. And that when we spend time with you and when we abide with you, that you grow love in us. In Jesus' name. Amen. So in our family, we have always prioritized having dinner together, sitting down at a table together, and as many nights as the week as possible. It's part of how Maro and I grew up, and not only did the table represent meeting one of our most human needs, food, which, by the way, I love, uh, it also meant meeting one of our most invaluable emotional needs, which is love and connection. At the table in our house, as I'm sure with many conversations, could range from joyous and full and playing games and lots of fun to the mundane, the everyday, and calendars, 
to spicy business sometimes and family business, if you know what I mean. It is a place to be heard and known. It is a consistent place where we meet as a family to do the work of loving. Getting to know each other's unique ways of giving and receiving love. And that's work and that's that love languages piece that we all have to do the work of learning. Now, like many, my youthful expectation and experience of love made me feel good. Butterfly moments that you can imagine and see in the movies. You know what I'm talking about. It's the stuff that sells millions. It's my mom's fresh-baked treats. She always had them. Or the times my dad spent with me working on music, singing the same things over and over. Happy Father's Day, Dad. It's first crushes. It's first best friend connections. It's first loves. It's meeting my husband. It's growing love together. Ooh, emotion. And amazing moments of meeting and loving our children. Now, as we all quickly discover, the people closest to us, the ones who are your whole world, can become the source and subject of the deepest pain. And we're left to wonder, how did this even happen? And will love ever feel good again? We know this as we grow, and for some, even when we are young, love could be lost through choice or circumstances, safe or unsafe. Even the idea of love feels broken and impossible with shattered dreams. The experience of love missed is painful. And like breathing, we give love and we receive love. And we give love and we receive love and we give love and we receive of it. Day in and day out, we give love and we receive love. It's that important. And we're unaware that we're continually seeking love because it is the greatest force of our well-being. We tell stories of how we experience or receive love, like the point of the love is the receiving. But what if? When we produce love as a fruit of the Spirit, we join with Christ to be a giver of love, not focused on receiving. As God's love flows through us, it is without end or in need of receiving. My big idea today is that we experience and participate in God's love by giving love with no expectation. So let's dig right in. Back in John 13, I give you a new commandment, that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, you also should love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. This word new is the Greek word kainos, and it means fresh, recent, unused, unworn. So what's so new about this commandment? If it is a call to love, the oldest thing in the world, if Jesus is offering a new commandment, where's the old commandment? Let's look back in our Bibles just to Matthew 22, when his disciples asked him, what is the greatest commandment? Jesus replied, love the Lord your God, with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. 
And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and prophets hang on these two commandments. These commandments are straight out of Deuteronomy 6 and Leviticus 19. And they are part of the Jewish culture. Culture. What would make him call this new or fresh? If Israel has been living with the centrality of this as their primary commandments, that's what they'd always done. I want you to hold on to this question. What is new? What is new? As we move forward, because I believe there is something new that the Spirit is bringing today about love that will challenge and encourage and ultimately invite you into something new. Now, back to our scripture for today. A new commandment I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. Now, students of the word, the Bible students in the room, if love one another shows up three times in two verses, it is something to pay attention to. John is actually pretty serious about this statement because it shows up five times in 1 John in chapters 3 and 4 too. The word for love Jesus is using here is one we have heard before, agapao, or as we often hear it, agape. Now, agapao is categorized as a verb when you look at the tense, which, is good, which as good English students know, means it, it's, it's an action. But love can also be a noun. Here's a quick tie-in. Often when we use the word love, especially in our Western culture, as a feeling or action. But the word love used for here in this very tense is a verb and is connected to one another. The Greek word for one another is alelon, and alelon means reciprocally or mutually. Notice this is a different word than the commandment in Leviticus 19 that was, quote, that was quoted in Matthew 22. Love your neighbor as yourself in Matthew 22. That word could have also been interpreted as an older word like thyself. So putting those words together, you get love as an action, mutually or reciprocally, love one another. A continual act of love, not by oneself or thyself, love one another does not have an end or a beginning. It is on its own in a continual loving motion, in action with others, a circle, if I may be so bold in interpretation. But continuing on, A new commandment I give, love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. The context where we find this commandment is just as important as uh, as the beginning because this is the beginning of Jesus' last meal with the disciples. This is his final speech. He's leaving nothing out. He's giving them his vision and his hope for their future together. Jesus knew this was the end. At the beginning of, his, of this chapter, John 13, 1, it says, Now before the festival of the Passover, Jesus knew that it was his hour. His hour had come to depart and, from this world and go to the Father. And having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. How did Jesus love, or agapao, the verb, action, Love them. 
Now, Jesus' demonstration of love at the start of this final meal, an intimate time together, is amazing. He takes off his outer garment into basically his underwear to prepare and prepares a bowl of water. And he starts to go around the table, bent down, and wash his disciples' feet. My friends, we can tune this out because we've heard this story. But hear me. Jesus wants to give you something new here, something fresh. There's an invitation to participate in this moment. The Son of God, our Messiah, started his final meal serving the people and the group that was around the table with him who had walked with him. Jesus knew at that very moment he was serving those who, would, who were closest with him and would turn and betray and deny and hide when the time came. He knew. His act of love was not based on receiving anything because he knew what was happening was going to be betrayal. His act was an invitation, an example of what he was going to invite them to do. Love one another. Then his next act of love is to serve his betrayer, Judas, the first piece of bread. And Judas, knowing this act of love, was also an acknowledgement of his betrayal. He received it. And then he left. This is who Jesus loved to the end. This is who he served to the end. And then he offered this new commandment. As I have loved you, you must love one another. Love is a verb reciprocally lived out with others. Love without an end or a beginning. We experience and participate in God's love by loving with no expectation. Jesus' demonstration in John 13 is that love starts with sacrifice. Jesus sacrificed his position, his power, his prestige, and got on his knees intimately to show the people who he walked with that he loved them without expectation. This happened at a table with a diverse group of people, a tax collector, a Pharisee, a fisherman, a carpenter. We don't really know if they were there, but we would assume that the women that were also a key part of Jesus' ministry were there. They were united through Jesus' invitation and Jesus' love for them. Who is sitting around your tables? It's almost the 4th of July at the close of a pandemic, and you are gathering with family or friends you haven't seen for a while. You may have observed through the lens of social media that they have different beliefs than you or made decisions you disagreed with. How does Jesus' love and invitation matter in those moments? This is our nuclear families. This is our extended families and our church families. This call is to, to love one another in these particular verses is for the people you are around And the fruit of love, as exemplified by Jesus, is asking us to simply love without exception or expectation of what happens next. This is a hard task, loving the people we are closest with without expectation. 
focusing on the giving act of love instead of the receiving. This is why it's a fruit of abiding with Christ, not on our own strength. We can't love like that. It's not human. Isn't that good news? But it isn't the whole of what makes this new. So stay, stay with me here. There's a lot more coming. In verse 35, it says, By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. The word everyone here is the word pos, the Greek word pos. And it pretty clearly means what it says, every person or all. But this all was not exclusive to just the Jewish people anymore. Because the very final thing Jesus says to these same disciples is found in Matthew 28, 19. You know it. We all know it. The Great Commission. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. The of all in this, sa- in this passage in Matthew is the same word, pas, as the word that everyone that we heard in verse 35. But the next word is the clue to what is happening next. This word nations is ethnos, and it's the word that is used here which could also be translated to Gentiles. This is opening up of the gospel. And in John 3.16, it says, God so loved the world that he gave his only son. This word, world, is cosmos, or could even be more imaginatively translated as the whole of humanity. Do you see it? The love of Christ is not just for one another, the people that you are around already, the people around your table, the people that you've chosen to be around. The love of Christ is for all humanity. And we get to experience and participate in God's love by giving love with no expectation. How are are we doing with this new commandment to love one another, church? How are we doing? Sometimes I'm afraid by the evidence of the exodus of the church in the past 10 years that we have forgotten the new commandment Jesus gave us. The way people know who, that we are Jesus followers is our love for one another. So many I know who have left the church didn't leave because they didn't believe in Jesus or in Jesus' message. It's because they were not experiencing this very essential part of the gospel. We weren't loving one another. Juneteenth is a celebration and a reminder that there's a racial reckoning that continues in our culture, as Sunday is still probably the most segregated hour of the week. Church, how is this even possible if we are truly living out the gospel to love one another? We, the evangelical church, have become so known for what we are against But could we all agree that we would want to be known for the most important thing, love and loving one another? Could we experience and participate in God's love by giving love with no expectation? It is upon us then to take stock not only of who's sitting at our table, but who is not present and ask the curious question of why. Why not? Two and a half years ago, a theologically diverse group of leaders and pastors I am a part of uh, started what is now called All at the Table. 
here at Bethany that continued to, to develop on developing a pastoral response for LGBTQIA teens and families. We started because we are observing an alarming growth in youth self-harm rates, statistically related to their belief that they weren't lovable and wanted to pastorally respond in a way that felt faithful and loving and Christ-like. Did you catch that? Youth not feeling that they could be loved caused them to question their life's worth and if Jesus could love them. Our team's unity was based on one commitment and desire from the beginning, that no kid would die on our watch. But as we dug into the work, it evolved into a belief that the church of all places should be a safe place of belonging for all students. We called ourselves all at the table when we sat down to really try and dig into this because of our wild belief that our love for each other And our trust in each other's love of Jesus and the love of these youth and families would be the glue that held us together. We're like living out a visionary statement being lived out at this very moment in our church. But in the process, a key thing we've discovered is that in order for everyone to have a seat at the table, it has to be safe for both our traditional friends as well as our more progressive friends. The church is a big tent, and by that I mean big C, full of faithful followers of Jesus. But we are united in one essential thing, God's love for us. So you might be asking, Anna, how's that going for you? It's thoughtful. It's hopeful. It's imperfect and slow. We are somehow still all together, sitting at the same table, You want to go fast, you go alone. If you want to go slow, you go together. Staying at the table with people you disagree with is foreign right now. But you know who is leading the way on this in our church from my vantage point? The youth. The future leaders of the church are finding a way through. They're finding a way to stay at the table and believe in each other. They are focused on being united in their love of Jesus and of each other. This is what's new and fresh right now for me. Our ability to love each other with Christ-like love in essentials and stay at the table committed to unity. This is how the whole world will know that we are Jesus' followers. And it is what the church, this church has been about. This old sign that's been on Bethany Community Church for I don't even know how long. In essentials, unity, and non-essentials, liberty, and in all things, charity. I believe the very definition of love, Jesus himself, is inviting us, the people at the table of Bethany North, to look around as we start to regather and wonder how we can love each other without expectation. How we create such a sense of love in our community and house churches and small groups and gatherings that everyone will know that we are Jesus' followers. Remember, Jesus started with serving those around him, even those who were going to betray him or never be able to repay him his love. And then I want you to look around and wonder who is not here. And may we be brave enough to ask ourselves why they are not here. And what is this message of love, Jesus' message, asking you to do about it? The very first fruit of the Spirit is love. 
We are being called to be known as a place of love that grows from a deep, a place of deep love and commitment to the sacrifice like Jesus. We experience and participate in God's love by giving love with no expectation. Now, as I invite the worship team band back up, I'm mindful it is the final week of this online gathering and in its current format, and I want us to celebrate and recommit ourselves to this type of love. All of this talk of the table made me think there is no better week to take communion as a church. And if there is ever a time to remember Jesus' body and blood shed for us, it is when we think about his love and the love we are being invited into as his family. If you've ever received communion from Pastor Raul, you know it is a rich and meaningful experience. And I have asked him to close our time after this song and lead us in communion together. For our, I'll be back up for the benediction. Feel free to grab your coffee or your water or your juice, crackers, cookies, bread, whatever you have. And let's continue in worship.